Hey, church, let's welcome those who are joining us online or listening on podcast. Hey, we just want to say it's so great to have you joining us. And if you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come to one of our services. Wouldn't we, church? Amen. We would just love for you. So do feel welcome. And if the uh, messages have blessed you in any way, do write to us and let us know. And just a big hi to John and Disterine in London. I know you're watching uh, us, so God uh, bless you. Church, can we welcome those who are listening and watching online? I just want to take a, a couple of moments and just uh, thank people for praying for us and with us as we've experienced in the last couple of weeks a family uh, tragedy and um, it's you know been a difficult uh, time. So I, I do want to thank you and uh, just just we we could sense your prayers and know that you were uh, praying with us. But I also want to take the time and thank the incredible team here that's part of this church that. Uh, with short notice, literally, we heard in the morning and we're on a plane for 30 hours and uh, to traveling to India, and the team picked it up. I was absolutely, Anita and I both were absolutely confident that things would be done, taken care of, and I heard they did an awesome, awesome job. So can we thank all those who picked up the slack and make it happen every single week? Well, you're one of them, Aaron. You can, you can just, you make it happen, bro. Hallelujah. Thank you so much again. It's great to be able to go with confidence knowing that just things are going to be done. It's going to be done how you, uh, how you think it should be done. And it's just I, I, nothing falls to the ground. And so I so appreciate that. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. There's a book in the Bible. I don't think it's anyone's favorite. Uh, and if it is, I'd like to know why. I, I think that's a bit of a problem. If it is your favorite book in the Bible. It's, 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 I say it's not a favorite book because it's not one of those go-to books. There are go-to books in the Bible. You're doing a wedding, people go to Corinthians. They go to, you know, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, love is, and, and they're like go-to books, you know. It's like, oh, we're doing a wedding or, or, or Ecclesiastes. Let's go to the, uh, you know, a two-fold chord or a three-fold chord. It's not easily uh, uh, broken and stuff. They're like go-to books. They're like pick-me-up books. This book isn't one of those. If someone was a new Christian, you'd never go, and they said to you, where, where, where shall I start reading the Bible? You wouldn't tell them to go to this book. If someone had asked you, hey, can you do a devotion? You would never choose this book. You would never even think, you would never even for a moment consider this book in the Bible. It just, it just you, you wouldn't. And here, here's the thing, it's, it's not a small book. It's not an insignificant book. It's got 42 chapters in it, 42 chapters, and and, and, but the problem is there are 42 chapters of pain, <laughs> suffering. Okay, man, you're going to love this message. Amen. 42 chapters of pain, suffering, loss, testing, trial, struggle. 42 chapters of questioning God. Some have even questioned, why is this book even in the Bible? It's certainly... Not a book that lines up with, uh, hey, we have the victory. Or, 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 or God just wants you happy. It's not one of those kind of books. It's a, not one of those. It's, it's, it doesn't fit that mold. And for that reason, some people ask, why is it even, why is it even there in the, the first place? So the book I'm talking about, of course, is the book of Job. The book of Job, or as in India they call it the book of Job. 
Come on, when I was a new Christian, I made that mistake too. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my life? Oh, there's the book of Job. I'll find out what's the job that God is. Well, come on, some of you have done that too. Don't you think Job should be spelt with an E? I think so, Job, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, that's how I spell I've actually written it that way <laughs> to make sure my dyslexic brain reads it properly. wasn't even in the Bible. The, the, the title of my message today is, What's Job's Job? <laughs> yeah, I know. It took me at least five minutes to come up with that. What's Job's Job? Why is it even, even there? If you're new to the Scriptures, you will, a little bit of the context of the story, it's about a man whose name was Job. And actually, I, I hadn't seen this before. I had to look up, what does that name mean? And it actually means, believe it or not, hated. Yeah, kind of sucks, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know what mum and dad were thinking when they were in the maternity world and their, you know, uh, the little boy was born. What, what, what do you think we should call him? Let's call him hated. <laughs> kind of awkward, isn't it? I mean, it's just not something you would name your child, but that's what the meaning of it is. So we've got to ask, of course, hated by who? Because if you read the scripture, we can see that Job was clearly loved by God. The context or the meaning of the name basically means hated by the opposition, hated, uh, hated basically by the devil, hated by Satan, hated by the, the enemy. That's what it means. That he was hostile. To the devil. And so I want to read a little bit of the story today and give you some context and just share some thoughts around this book. So let's read and get some context, starting in Job chapter 1, verse 1. In the land of Uz, not Oz, the land of Uz, Tuz. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. it just, just. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright, and he feared God and shunned evil. So straight away, we can, we can see about the life of Job that the Bible says he was a, he was a good man. He, was a good, he wasn't a bad man. He wasn't some dude out there living the wild life. Well, he was a good man. In fact, it says he's a righteous man. He's a, he's a blameless man. He even shunned evil. It wasn't like he was going after. He, he shunned evil. He was a good man. In verse 2 it says, he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. If you're wondering why they list all that out, because what, what they're actually saying is he's real rich. This is like saying he's got seven Ferraris, he's got, uh, uh, you know, 22 mansions, he's got, he's really, really rich. He said he had seven sons, three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. <laughs> Come on. And he had a large number of servants. He was, listen, the greatest man among all the peoples of the East. So the Bible doesn't just say he was a good man, a blameless man, a righteous man. He was a blessed man. He had the blessing of God on his life. And this is where the story gets weird. 
in the midst of that blessed life, in the midst of God's goodness being poured out to him year after year. In this story, we find, and don't ask me the theology behind it. I haven't had time enough to think about because it, it blows my mind. But in this story, Satan ends up coming into the presence of God and, 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 and speaking to him and, and asking, if you like, for Job. In the midst of this blessed life, Satan enters and says to God in verse 9, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you, verse 10, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And then the Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. And I want to tell you, the book of Job goes downhill from there. <laughs> uh, from there, it's a bad day. <laughs> it's, it, it's a bad day. And I, I, I want to read some passages for you just to show you how, how, how bad it gets. So starting from verse 13, it's, it won't come up on the screen. Just follow with me. And uh, if you don't have your uh, Bible, just, just listen. It just says, this is the, um, verse 13, it says, One day when Job's... This is chapter 1 still. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians, that's an Ethiopian tribe, attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, that means they killed them, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Bad day. And then it says in verse 16, While he was still speaking, while he was still, while he was just passing on that message, I'm like, you're just telling me some bad. While that messenger was still speaking, another messenger came and said, "The fire of God fell, meaning lightning from the sky, and burned up the sheep. Like oh, that kind, of, that's a lot of sheep, man. It burned up the sheep, and and the servants and I are the only ones who have escaped to tell you." In verse 17. While he was still speaking, how many know this is a bad day? The day, uh, the day isn't going how he planned. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the, I can't even know how to say that, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They must have been very strong. <laughs> I don't think that means they literally carried them off. <laughs> Thank you, Neil, <laughs> for those Bible experts. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. He's like, this day is going from bad to worse. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. Maybe it was a hurricane, I don't know. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. How many know that's a bad day? That's a bad day when, <laughs> when things go, go wrong. It was just like one thing. Have you ever had a, a day, a week, a month, a year, where it feels like you, just from message, 
to message you just uh, you're going through this difficult thing and just when you thought well hey i'm i'm getting out of it another message comes another message comes and and, and it's like you have one of those moments where you're like god what is going on what's going on and i, I want to say if i'm honest we've had a couple of weeks like that where just one thing after the other i know exactly when it when it started, it was about 12 a.m. The team was in India, and uh, they were getting ready, I guess, to come back home, back to New Zealand, the mission uh, trip that was there. And um, it was about 12 o'clock at night, and I remember because I, I looked at the clock when Kyle burst into my room. <laughs> Kyle doesn't often burst into my room. <laughs> and, he, and he said, he said, uh, honorable father-in-law. He said, the alarm is going in the garage. Now, I know that's not the burglar alarm. I know when the alarm is going in the garage, I know exactly what he means. You see, our house sits lower than the sewerage main. Yeah, well, come on. I'm preaching. And, 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 and I've got a tank that, that has a pump, and it's about 1,000 liters. It holds a 1,000 liters of stuff, okay, because we're in church. So it holds a 1,000 liters of stuff. And, and, and obviously, we make a lot of stuff. And so it's the, the pump's not working. And so when the alarm goes off, we know we have an alarming situation going on down there that that 1,000-liter tank is, is, is filling. So this is at 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, right, don't anybody use any water. Don't flush the toilet. Don't do nothing because that tank is full. Morning, I got up called the plumber, was able to get uh, an answer, and they said, yep, we're coming around. I'm thinking, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. How many know plumbers aren't cheap, but I know this is going to cost me. And so anyway, so the plumber comes around, starts fixing it and stuff, gets it done. I then called JBs, who's number one with our number twos, and we, they're able to come and do the stuff. It's cleaned out. I think I can relax. The girl's now flying back from India. It's Friday afternoon. The weekend's coming. Grace walks in. Again, I'm thinking this bill's going to be big. Grace comes in. It's in the afternoon. She says, Dad, the alarm's going again. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Surely I checked left. Woo, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's not the kind of overflow we're looking for. Amen. It's just like, I know this is going, this is going bad. This is going bad. So I'm like running upstairs. I'm panicking a bit because it's the weekend. I don't know if I can get a plumber. There ain't much room left to go. And I'm just calling, can I get a plumber? I finally managed to uh, track a plumber down, and, and, and he, he was on the way. And as I'm just feeling good about that, then my mother walks out of the house, and she says, Dad's not doing very well. So I said, what do you mean Dad's not doing very well? And she's like, no, no, he's, he's, he's ill. Something's wrong. So I went in, started talking to Dad, and just... Uh, uh, through, you know, just looking at certain things that were going on in his life, I realized he was in quite a serious uh, uh, state. He thought he was fine, leave me alone. <laughs> and so I've got the plumber coming to empty and fix the second tank. At the same time, I'm dialing 111 for an ambulance to come and look at my father because I didn't know if he was having a heart attack. Thank God it wasn't that. But what it was was serious. And so within uh, about 20 minutes, an uh, ambulance showed up, a uh, paramedic, and then another ambulance showed up. And then, of course, the plumber showed up. And so I'm dealing with that. And then Anita's texting me from Wellington Airport going, hi, we're home. We're, we're coming. And see, I said, look, Houston, we have a problem. I've got the plumber here. He's working on the sewage. And it was hard to remember, which one are we, which, what are we working on at the moment? Then the paramedics, they're working on dad. They're saying, no, we've got to take him to the hospital straight away. 
he needs to go to hospital. It's quite serious what he's uh, 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 facing, and so he needs to go to hospital. If you want to know what it is, ask him. <laughs> but but, but yeah, we, we had, it was just like, man, what is going on? And so Anita arrives home, and she comes into, uh, uh, thinks she actually passes Dad's ambulance going, going the other way. We can't really give each other a big hug because, uh, you know, we're obviously we're distracted. I've got to take Mum down now to Wellington Hospital that night and go and see Dad and find out what is going, going on, which we did. Of course, Sunday we had church, and, um, you know, I was just conscious that Dad's in hospital and uh, stuff, and we did, did that. Monday I had, uh, you know, day, Dad's still in, still in hospital. We don't know. He's, he ended up being there for about a, almost a week while they're figuring out his medication and all that type of thing. Monday night, I came home from fire training, and Nita says, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? She said, Vijay, my brother-in-law, Anita's sister's husband, has had a heart attack. He's, it looks like he's, he's on life support. I, I, I'm thinking, what? He's, he's only 47. He's only, he's only 47. And in fact, we found out why he's there. He's probably only 43. It's just the way they do the, the birth certificates and stuff. And... <laughs> India, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. India works differently. And so we're there, and I'm thinking, and I don't know what to think in the midst of that. I'm just like, that's just out of left field. I mean, the team was just staying in his house. They were just with him. They were just, uh, and now he's, he's on, on life, life support. And so I'm going, I'm going, this, this, this does not compute. The next day, we had to go up and speak to a hundred or so leaders from all our New Life churches in the region. And so we gathered, we gathered there, and that was good. But the whole day was sort of distracted by the fact that my brother-in-law is on, on life support. But we soldier on, we, we, we do that. The next morning, I went to hospital to visit my father. He was supposed to come home. And um, so we were there learning about all his medication and how we're to, where to do that. And then Anita rings me about after we've been there maybe three hours. You know how long it takes in hospitals. So after we've been there about three hours, Anita calls me and said they have urgently called Byzine, which is what we call Anita's sister. They've urgently called Byzine and the kids to the hospital. It's not looking good. And so within another 10 minutes, I got a call, and she said, he's died. He's died. He's gone. He's, he, he's died. And so I'm sitting in the hospital thinking, I, I don't know, what, what, what do I do, uh, do now? So within a few hours, we're on a plane flying to India. I knew I should do the funeral. He goes to Pastor Shams Kumar's church. Some of you will know him, but Pastor Shams Kumar is doing study for three months in Singapore. And so I was like, no, I've got to do this funeral. He's been a missionary for 23 years. Part of we've uh, uh, supported. He's uh, um, uh, just picked up almost every team that's ever, uh, ever gone to India over the last 20, uh, 20 years and just helped us and uh, looked after us, housed us, fed us, and over all those times, I was like, I've got to go and, and, and do this. We arrived, and, and uh, as we went into the house after 30 hours on a, a plane to, uh, to a weeping widow, crying to, to, the, to, to the core of her being, and we just didn't know what to say. We don't know, well, what do you say? What do you say? It's having a Job moment. Having a Job moment. It was like, I, I, we did the funeral. The funeral was like nothing I've ever experienced uh, uh, before. I didn't know. I hadn't done a funeral. I've been in India for 11 years, but I thank God I'd never had to do a funeral. And so the way they do funerals is very different. And to be honest, I found it extremely traumatic. 
didn't realize how traumatic until I came, came back home. I was having a Job, Job moment. If we ask, why is Job there? Why is the book of Job there? What's Job's job? Why is it even in the Bible? I mean, think about it. It's there with all the other great and precious promises of God. It's there among all the, all the yes and amens. Why is it there? Why? What? what What's it, what's it there? It's, it, it sits alongside and seemingly opposite to greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It sits opposite to we have the, we, we, we have the victory. It, it sits uh, uh, alongside and opposite to we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. It sits alongside and opposite to that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why is it there? It sits, it, it sits in the middle of Jesus healed all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. It's in the same book. Why is it there? What's Job's job? Well, it's there, my friend, because that's what life is like. It's there to remind us that all of us are going to have Job moments in our life. Moments that don't make sense. Moments where it feels like the enemy is gunning for us. Where we're, I mean, we're, we're going to have moments in our life where there are victories, where there are healings, where there is grace, where there is blessings and, and favor and, and joy and, and peace and light. We're going to have those moments. But Job reminds us that we will all face loss and pain and suffering and trials. All of us here will have Job moments, Job chapters in our life. That's why it's there. I thank God it's not the whole story. There are 66 books in the Bible and Job is just one of them. And that reminds us that, uh, that suffering is just one part of our life. It's just one part. Their trials are just one one part of our life. They're a real part of our life, but they don't dominate the whole book. It's just one part within the 66 books of victory and blessing and grace and favor. But nevertheless, it's there to remind us that suffering is one part of this life. And so sometimes if we have a God, if we don't understand that, it's so important. If we have a God where we think everything's just going to go my way, and work out how I thought it would. I just want to tell you, sometimes it won't. Just being honest. Because if you have a Christianity like that, it, you, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, it's like, God, why did you throw that Job in there? I mean, I'd love a Christianity without a Job in it. I love a Christianity without, a, without 42 chapters of suffering and, and pain. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't there. See, but Job helps shed the light on the fact that suffering and pain and trials and testing is a part 
of the human experience. Oh, oh, like I said, oh, how we wish it, it wasn't. But God's placed it there. God's, God's, God's placed it there. He's, he's included it with all the, the promises of victory and blessing and hope and healing in the middle of all of those scriptures, in the middle of all those promises sits this book. Sits Job doing its job. Sitting with Baizi and Anita's sister on many occasions throughout the week when she was weeping from the core of her being. And saying to me, Adam, why has God taken my VJ? Why has God taken my VJ? And I can't answer her. I got no flash answers. Hi, I'm from New Zealand. I've got some really good answers. I can't answer those questions. Why has God taken my VJ? Truth is, she answered herself the next moment. She said, VJ always used to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And, and somehow she found comfort in those words. I mean, it's something we say. I mean, I say it, I use it at funerals. You know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. It's something... Like I say, we, we, we say it at funerals. It's something we, we sing songs about it. Blessed be the name of the, of the Lord. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. We sing those songs sometimes without thinking what the, what the meaning is. But, but where does it come from? Where does that saying come from? I, I mean, I knew it was in the Bible somewhere about... As I was preparing this message, I found it in the book of Job. I found it in the book of Job. See, it's found in Job's response to all that had happened to him. See, in chapter 1, we know Job lost everything. Everything. In verse 20, when told of the death of his, sorry, in verse 19, when told of the death of his family, it goes on to say in verse 20, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in anger. He fell to the ground in frustration. He fell to the ground and just like, what's going on? He fell to the ground sad. He fell to, no, no, the Bible says he fell to the ground in worship. He fell to the ground in worship. Not frustration, not anger, not annoyed, not shaking his fist at God. He fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. 
His response was to worship. His response was to say, everything I have anyway belongs to you. Everything I have anyway belongs to you. You know, we're in a Job moment in our lives as a, as a family as we walk through that. We're in a Job, Job moment. Still the messages have not stopped coming as we arrived in Canberra on our way back home. I got a message from England that my father's sister has been diagnosed with cancer and in palliative care, brain cancer, lung cancer, all types of cancer. And I was just like, what is going on? But I just pray in the midst of it all that my response, our response in trials to the testings, to the trials and the sufferings in our lives will be as Job. For the remaining 41 chapters, Job grieves and mourns and questions God, really. He's just asking God, you know, what's, what, what's going on here? And you know we've talked about it over the last little while that 40 is the number of test, testings, 400 years. Any, the Bible uses numbers to symbolize things, 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness four hundred years a slave, forty years in the wilderness the the people the people were forty is the number of t- anytime you find forty like this in the Bible, you know it, it, it's about testing, and so th- certainly this was a this was a test. but here's what I know. Because maybe you're going through a test right now. In fact, I know some of you are. You're going through massive tests, health tests, family problem tests, stuff that's hit you from left field that you never knew was coming. I was just talking to someone this morning, and his sister was diagnosed with a, you know, unless God does a miracle, it's a terminal illness. And like hit from left feel there'll be people here today, I know that you're struggling and battling with stuff. You're, going, you're, you're having a Job moment. I don't know what chapter you're in in Job, but you're having a Job moment. But here's what I know. By chapter 42, verse 12, Job can look up again. You see, it finishes with Job seeing God's blessing and favor Again. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that he was blessed twice as much as he was before. In Job 42, verse 12, it says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. He goes on to say, he saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so Job died, an old man and full of years. Friend, I want to know, whatever you're walking through, 
He won't keep you there. Whatever you're struggling with, He won't keep you there. There will be a time where you can sing again. There will be a time where you can praise again. There will be a time where you can uh, thank Him for the blessings of God that are on your life. No matter how dark the night, light will come. Morning, no, no matter how dark it is at night, morning always comes. Morning will always come. And His mercies are new in the morning. His mercies are new in the morning. New for you. And you'll be able to sing again. Maybe you've lost your song. But you will sing again. C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And there's no doubt when you go through pain and struggling, you will, it tends to cause you to seek after him in a way perhaps you weren't before. Someone said this, God sometimes puts us on our backs in order to make us look up. Or would you look up today? I don't know what you're going through or what battles or what trials, but I pray this would bring comfort. What's Job's job? It's to remind us that we will all walk through this, but it's only one part of our lives. We don't stay there. There will come a new day. You'll be able to see the blessing of God again, the favor of God again. Could the worship team come? Why don't we just bow our heads for a moment? I know there are people right now, you're going through trials, you're going through stuff, your family's going through stuff, your relatives are going through stuff, and you're like, man, I don't know, I've prayed, I've prayed a thousand times, and the situation hasn't changed. We'll pray again. Maybe you're really hurting over circumstances. Maybe you're far away and there's, they're in Auckland and you're here and or even in another country and you're going, man, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm sort of stuck in the midst of it. I know there are people here today right now in this service got major health trials. Need a miracle. Pray for a miracle. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you've got a challenge here. You're having a Job moment. It could be over any area. I don't know. Or maybe you feel like your house has collapsed on top of you. Maybe, maybe you're in the middle of a storm. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Will you just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hands up. Lord, I thank you. Slip those hands down. Lord, I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice right now. Just put their hand up and said, man, I'm in a Job moment. Our family's in a Job moment. We need a miracle. We, we, we can't understand what's going, going on. We don't understand why this is happening to us. Lord, I pray for them right now that by the comfort of your Holy Spirit, you would meet them in that situation. 
that God, you would walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that they might fear no evil, that your rod and your staff would comfort them and give them peace. God, I pray. Father, for those who are here today and they need a miracle, or they need a health miracle. Lord, we don't understand why all of this goes on, but we do know that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to your power that's at work within us. We ask for a miracle to take place in those situations. We ask, God, that you would somehow sovereignly move in the midst of those circumstances. God, for those who have been stuck maybe for a very long time in a dark place, questioning God, I pray today would be their chapter 42. That they would once again from this moment forth experience the blessing and favor of God and the goodness of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I don't want to close this moment without giving people here today who don't know Jesus an opportunity to say yes to Him. Maybe you're here today and you go, man, when I came in here, maybe, maybe a friend brought you, maybe, maybe you've turned up for the first time, I don't know how, maybe you've read the newspaper ad, I don't know. But as you came in here, you could sense there's something different here. I can, I can say, I don't know what it is. I can, I want to tell you what it is. You can sense God here. The Spirit inhabits the praises of His people. Maybe as we've been going through this, you've realized, man, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God. I need to get right with, with Him. I want to give you a chance in, a, in this moment because here's the thing. You never know when your time is up. My brother-in-law was just, just 43. You don't know when, when your day will come. Today is the day of your salvation. Would you give your life to Jesus? Would you say yes to Him? You're here today and you know your life is not right with God in a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the, what's that saying? It's saying, be the king of my life. I've tried to do it my own way. I've tried to do my own thing. But I realize I haven't done a great job. Or maybe you have. Maybe you think, man, I've done amazing. But I, I, I want to tell you, no matter how skilled we are or how talented we are, that will not save you. We need Jesus. And you right now, from the depths of your heart, know you can sense God is calling you. Just as I did some, as a drug addict, some 30 Plus years ago, since God calling me, and in a service like this, I responded as I'm asking you to respond. To say, Jesus, I need to get right with you. Be the Lord of my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment, if you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, I'm going to count to three and on three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. And when you put your hand up, you're saying, would you include me in that prayer? Pastor, I need to get right with God. One. Jesus loves me. Two, you might be going, well, I'm not good enough yet. Friends, I want to tell you the gospel is not about how bad you are. It's about how good God is. 
It's about what He's done for you. Three, would you put your hand up and say, that's me, I need to get right with God. Anyone here today? You just know you need to get right with God here today. Anyone here? Keep your hand up nice and high so I can see. Is there anyone here? You know you need to get right with God. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Nice and high so I can see it. Thank you. Hold it up. Thanks, you can slip that hand down. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. I would ask you to forgive my sins, cleanse me, wash me, be the Lord of my life from this day forth. This I ask in Jesus' name.